Hi, and welcome to the Open Government Podcast. I'm Richard Pietro. And I'm Samir Vasta. Welcome back. Each episode of the Open Government Podcast, we'll be talking to someone working on open government and citizen engagement in their communities. And today we have Bianca Wiley, who is a facilitator by trade, but very much an open government and open data enthusiast by passion. And today, uh, we're going to be speaking to Bianca a little bit about the Canadian Open Data Institute and how the word open data is hurting itself. So, Bianca, why don't you say hi and, and tell us a little bit about the, the thought that I just presented here. Love it. Yes. Hello, Bianca Wiley here. And I'm very happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. So in terms of the uh, the term open data hurting itself, I'm just going to do my little anecdote that I, I mentioned to you, Richard, the other day. I was at a party recently and you're doing the usual, you know, what do you do? And I said, this is what I do. I'm a facilitator. And then I also said, and I also work in open data. And I was talking to two people I didn't know very well. And you could see one of them was looking at the other one going like, okay. And then as I got, you know, one minute into what open data was, you saw one of one of them just looked and said, over to you, I'm not into this, and sort of left. <laughs> and uh, and I was sitting there trying to explain this to, to somebody who'd never heard the term before. And it was clear that it was not compelling to start with that term. So I know we need to talk about open data and use stories and not really use that term as much as possible because that was just it's just one example of how frequently you lose people right away using that term. And I think we all need to figure out how to uh, how to talk about open data without using the term itself right now. So I'm going to throw that right back at you and say, how do we talk about open data without using the term? We talk about things people know which is, you know, interest re relevant to them. So whether it's cycling, whether it's politics, could be politics, could be any kind of interest that they have, um, whether it's urban planning, if you live in a city or if you're an environmentalist or, you know, anything, there is an open data component to it. And so start by talking like a human being, find a story, make something, you know, relevant to somebody and then layer in at the end of it all how open data was part of that. So that it's it's not you can't run from a term forever. It's called something. It's for a reason. But we I, it's not a good lead. It's a good thing to close with and have somebody walk away and go, oh, cool. As a cyclist, I'm glad to know that there's an open data thing that I can start to get into. So this brings up a good point here, Bianca, because. The Open Government Podcast is trying to find its audience. We're a brand new podcast, so we're assuming that some people will be brand new to the conversation. Some will be very much well-versed in the conversation. But mm -hmm. for those who don't know, can you describe open data a little bit? Yes. Um, open data is – it basically has to do two main jobs – um, but open data is data that can be from, it can be from the government, it can be from a corporation, it can be from a not-for-profit, it can be from a small community group. It's data. So, you know, a spreadsheet generally is a format you'd see it in. And it's open because it's available without you having to ask for it. So, so this, this element of machine readable, like a PDF, is not an open data set. That's the second thing. So oh, it has okay. to be, yep, so it has to be available without you having to ask for it. So if I ask you for a data set and you say, sure, let me send it to you, 
that's not open because it wasn't just available to me, right? That's one thing. So it just has to be out there in the wild as available to people. And secondly, machine readable, as you mentioned, it can't be a PDF is the bane of the whole um, area is when you hear things are in PDF because with one more step, it could be available in a way that computers could do something with it. Um, but that's those are those are the two big rules around data being open. You're, you're working with the Canadian Open Data Institute. Can you tell us a little bit about that and then really why you need something like the Canadian Open Data Institute to, to galvanize around this idea of open data, making it available and usable? Certainly. Um, the, the Canadian Open Data Institute was sort of born um, to get people who don't know about open data and open government involved with it. So, you know, maybe to newcomers or to people who are already involved in the scene. There's a lot of technical work that, that is being done and needs to be done around licenses for data standards. How should governments publish data? How should corporations publish data? All of that stuff. That's not the world that we're interested in because there's a lot of people working on that, our world is to say, hey, maybe 1% of people know about open data. What can we do to, to get the next, you know, the next two, three, four, five percent What is it? How do we connect to people that are already organized? Because as a facilitator, I know that stakeholders out in the world are already organized. Cyclists are organized. Environmentalists are organized. We don't need to go organize people. We just need to get out there and say, hey, guys, you're doing work. We can explain how open data could be part of your work and strengthen your work. And also say to the government, look, guys, when you go out and talk to the public, use data ex to explain what you're doing. If you do that, your work becomes defensible as government or as agencies, right? So those are the two main groups that we want to keep working with to, to sort of bring them into the fold. So very much a human being connection, sort of, you know, get this out there, have, have people get excited about open data because we make it relevant to them. That's really what our mandate is. And it's, it's an interesting segue that I'm going to provide here because you have an interesting story to share as well for the 2014 International Open Data Day in Toronto. So you, myself, and a few others were part of the organizing team, and you were charged in finding those sort of community stakeholders to bring them to the event saying, open data can help you, Mr. Cyclist. Open data can help you, Mr. or Mrs. Social Housing. Mm -hmm. And I remember you telling me, that that was one of the hardest sales pitch that you had ever had to do to bring these people to the to uh, to the event. Can yeah. you describe that a little bit? Certainly, um, and it's it's timely you say that because the uh, the Mowat Center to work out of uh, U of T, they're putting together a paper right now about uh, not for profits and open data, and so uh, we had a chat. And what I learned in this in in the case that you're talking about was at organizations. People who run organizations, advocacy organizations, say people working in any of these sectors, they are already up to the top full of stuff to do. So to try to go and get them to say, hey, get really excited about this thing called open data, they're looking at you thinking, I have 90 other things to do, and I don't even know what that means. So you are the lowest on my priority list right now. And that just makes us realize that this is going to be a long term relationship building kind of exercise and also the importance of finding champions in each of these groups. You, you shouldn't need the executive director to participate. You want to find somebody who believes in both the advocacy cause and is excited about this. And so I think those are the those are the two critical things to bring all these different groups into the fold. So before we let you go about all these different groups that we need to bring into the fold, 
Who are the ones that we're missing right now? Who should we be targeting and where should we be looking for new involvement in the space? Well, I think that we're, we're really missing most of them. I, I can't say that we have any one sector locked down and like really fully integrated into the open data, open government space. I think there's big opportunities within um, municipalities and particularly uh, civic technology opportunities. I can tell you a final story here. We did a hackathon recently with bike share data, formerly Bixie, so these sort of bicycle sharing service uh, in the city of Toronto. And one of the outcomes of that project was that a group did, um, they, they did a modeling analysis of how bikes could be better distributed. Because one of the, the biggest problems for this city service is you show up and there's either no slot to dock your bike or there's no bikes there. Right. So this is a problem. We want people to get on bikes. We want them to use the service. And so within the course of a weekend, we had some people come in and work with the data and propose a way that that could be improved, which is of huge benefit to the city. There's going to be other examples of stuff like that. And it's not building fancy apps. It's just bringing experts in to help the city solve some of their problems. So I think it's a big, big opportunity um, for every division within a municipality to release that data and say, hey, community, help us with this problem. And that is very satisfying for everybody involved. And that group continues to this day to be talking to bike share and this sort of hack goes on model. So I think that's that's a great place for us all to be working right now with, um, you know, with, with stories that we can show value to everybody at the government as well. And this is a great, great uh, example of how government can become an enabler as opposed to a doer, which is almost kind of like the mantra of open government and open data is that, you know, steer away from this vending machine government and create it more as a platform. So mm-hmm. it's great that you, you guys are able to, to do all this great work and, and bringing together the city as well as the community. But unfortunately, our podcast is all wrapped up in terms of time. Thank you so much, Bianca, for uh, joining us here today. Uh, Do you mind giving uh, our audience your Twitter handle, please? No problem. It's at Bianca Wiley, which is B-I-A-N-C-A-W-Y-L-I-E. There you go. Perfect. Thank you so much, Bianca. That was Bianca Wiley on the Open Government Podcast. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll be back soon with our next interview with someone in the open government community. And if you've got any questions about today's episode, if you want to say to Bianca how much you know, the, her great work has been helping uh, into your community, or if you'd like to bring Bianca to your community, don't hesitate to reach her on her Twitter handle. Or if you send us something on our hashtag, which is OGTPod, my Twitter handle is at Richard Pietro. I'm at Vasta. And thank you so much. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.